0: Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hey, this is Rick Porterfield. I want to welcome you again to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Over the last uh, several weeks now, I've been going through basically the actual counseling outlines uh, the sessions that Rebecca and I would take a couple through if we were doing marriage counseling with them. And uh, continuing that today, and you know, the first few sessions we talked about the problem in relationships, which is self-centeredness. There is just one problem. All the other stuff that we deal with is really the symptoms. And there's one answer to that problem. That's God's love through us. And we have to have a a revelation and understanding of God's love for us in order to operate in God's love through us for god's love to operate through us we need to understand his love to us anyway i hope that makes sense to you and um one of the things about self-centeredness is it builds walls between people you know um That's probably one of the greatest effects of self-centeredness, one of the greatest things it does, not great as in good, just great as in big, one of the things it does in marriage. It's a a dividing force, and it builds walls between people in marriage. Listen to James 3.16 from the New Living Translation. It says, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, okay, there's selfishness, so wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So where there's jealousy again and selfish ambition there's disorder. Okay think for a minute about about disorder with me. Where there's disorder, you know, their, things are out of their place. Okay. They're divided. Self-centeredness, it's a dividing force. So we need to bring reconciliation to those situations. We need to bring reconciliation to disorder. You know, it's interesting. I like the etymology of words and the word reconcile comes from the two Latin words. One is re and the other is conciliaire. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing those right, but anyway, which would mean to bring back together. So we need to bring things back together. We need to reconcile. So how do we do that? How do we remove these walls? So in this session today, almost this is part one of removing walls in relationships. And I'm just going to tell you, forgiveness is the key to reconciling relationships, to bringing things back together, to removing those walls, and to keeping things reconciled. Forgiveness is a key to that. So, you know, Let's talk a little bit about this. What is forgiveness? And when you forgive, you're making a big decision. Now, some people think, well, what is forgiveness? And we've actually had to deal with this before, helping people understand what that is. When you forgive, you're making a decision to actually leave it, let it go, whatever the offense is. You're going to leave it, you're going to let it go, you're going to give up resentment and consider the debt for that thing as being paid okay, specifically being paid by Jesus. So decision, I think I've mentioned this before, but decision, again, etymology of words comes from the Greek, de sedere, which means to cut off, okay, to cut off. So when you make a decision, you're cutting off any other option. So when you decide to forgive someone, you are cutting off the option to not forgive them. (laughs) So you're going to forgive, right? And again, to forgive means to leave it, let it go, give up resentment, and consider the debt as being paid, okay, specifically. That debt was paid by Jesus He paid paid the the debt for all of our sins And offenses and mistakes And shortcomings and things So, So again forgiveness It's a key to reconciling relationships I want to read Colossians 1 13 and 14 to you This really illustrates that point It says, He, being Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption, relationship restored to God. By the forgiveness of sin, so see, you know, forgiveness is a key to reconciling relationships, and we see this specifically here between man and God. Okay, another scripture that shows this is Luke one seventy-seven, and for time I'm not going to go to that one, but again, forgiveness made reconciliation to God available to man. Okay, now I want to read Matthew five twenty-three and twenty-four to you. You know, I read a lot of scripture on these podcasts, and I do that because. That's really what's going to make a difference in your life. When we know what the word says, you know the Bible, you know Matthew eight thirty-one and thirty-two. Jesus said to those Jews who believed. Uh, you know, if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free you know a lot of people quote that you know the truth will make you free which is partly true or they'll quote you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free which also is partly true the whole truth there is is you know there's a difference in a disciple and a believer Jesus said to those belie- those who believed if you abide in my word you are my disciple so you can be a believer not a disciple but he said, if you abide in my word, you're a disciple. And those people there, the ones who abide in the, the word, who are disciples, they'll know the truth, and the truth will make them free. So that's why we cover so much scripture, because we need to know what the word says, yield ourselves to the word, and do the word. And if we'll do that, we'll be set free from whatever issues we have in our life. We'll see the power of God move in our life, and, and we'll benefit from the word like, like um, we're meant to do. Anyway, so again... Another scripture here, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. So there's offense. Your brother's offended with you, right? A brother here might mean uh, you know not necessarily a brother, just could be someone you know. Verse 24 says, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. Now, this is a scripture that shows me, and we're going to see others today, that forgiveness is a key to reconciliation in relationships between people as well as in our relationship with God. Forgiveness reconciles relationships and keeps them that way, whether it's between man and God or between men with each other or husbands and wives, okay? So, again, based on that scripture there, forgiveness makes it possible for relationships between people to be reconciled. Now, there's something else that just jumps out at me every time I read that scripture. I just read to you. Let me read it to you again. And I'll make the point. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and make your and then come and offer your gift. You know, notice what you're doing. You're bringing a gift to the altar. You are in the process here of worshiping God. What this shows me is that God values the relationship, the re- reconciliation of our relationship with each other, he placed a higher priority on that than on your worship of him. That's kind of a say moment. You know, in the book of Psalms, they'll say say-la, which means to stop and think about that, right? So that's kind of a say moment there, kind of stop and think about that. That's what he's saying. Man, if I'm coming to worship God, if I'm bringing a gift to the altar, stop. Put the gift down, go get reconciled, then come back and offer this gift. So God's placed a higher priority on me, reconciling relationships with my brother, me dealing with offense than on my worship of him. That's an amazing thing. Okay, now, you know, let's talk a little bit about the the consequences of not forgiving other people. A lot of people... We seem to have this idea that unforgiveness, you know, that holding a grudge is going to benefit us in some way. We're going to get that person back. We're going to make them pay. And the truth is that unforgiveness or or holding a grudge, I'm going to kind of use those as synonymous terms here, um, that's one of the most detrimental things that you can do to yourself. It really is. Okay. Matthew 6 14 and 15 says this For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You know, wow. Wow, that's a big deal. You know, Mark eleven, twenty-five and twenty-six says the same thing. If we don't forgive, what happens here? You know, not forgiving people, which would include your spouse, that's gonna negatively impact your relationship with God. Okay? You can actually live as if you're not forgiven by God. I don't think somebody who's born again. If I've got unforgiveness against someone, just understanding the grace and nature of God, I'm not going to go to hell for that. But I do think we can live as if we, on this earth, we can live as if we don't have a relationship with God. So forgiveness is important. Okay. Another scripture that shows a consequence of unforgiveness is found in Mark, chapter four, which is where Jesus talked about the parable of the sower. You know, the parable of the sower, he says, is kind of the key to understanding everything. If we understood this, um, So I want to read to you verses 5, 16, and 17, which is where Jesus is talking about. uh, uh, Actually, I'm going to read verses 16 and 17 for time. Uh, This makes the point very well. It says, And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward. When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Okay? You know, that's one of the things that happens. When you receive the word of God, affliction, persecution is going to come for the It's coming to take the word from you, so you won't receive the benefit of it. And one of the tools of the enemy, and we do have an enemy, the devil, right? One of the tools of the enemy is offense, he will use offense to steal the word from you since you can't receive the benefit of it. So what Jesus is showing here, you know, he's talking about sowing the seed. Offense chokes your seed. It keeps you from receiving from God. Whether it's maybe you need health restored, healing, you know, peace, provision, or a good marriage. Offense is going to choke the seed of the word and keep it from producing what it should produce in your life. See, these are consequences of unforgiveness. It's just a bad idea not to forgive, okay? Here's another one. Listen to this. Matthew 13:57 and 58. This is talking about Jesus went to his hometown, and he was ministering to people there, and they start saying, who is this? Isn't this the carpenter's son, and isn't his brothers and sisters here with us? They start saying these things, and in verse 57, it says, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So there again, offense keeps you from receiving from God, and he equates offense here with unbelief, okay? That's an interesting thought. So offense is equated with unbelief. It'll keep you from receiving with, from God. So uh, that's a certainly a consequence of unforgiveness. Now, here's another one, and this, again, this, this stuff's amazing to me. I think about, man, people think, we, we choose to carry around unforgiveness. We choose to carry a grudge against someone and we think that it's, it's good in some way to do this. It is just completely the opposite. It is extremely bad for you to do this. You know, typically you're not hurting the other person at all. It's not bothering them. They're going along their merry way and you're the one over here suffering all these consequences I'm talking about. And here's another consequence. Let me tell you this. If you're offended to someone, if you're offended at your spouse, we're talking about marriage you are offended at God as far as he's concerned. Where do you get that from, Rick? I get that from the Bible. Matthew 25, uh, verses 40 and 45, and I'd encourage you to go and read verses 40 through 45, but again, for time, we're not gonna read the whole thing, but what it says here, basically, is whatever you do to another person, including your spouse, you're doing it to Jesus, and whatever you don't do, to another person, including your spouse, you're doing it to Jesus. Now, verse 40, let's read it here. Matthew 25, verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then verse 45 says, then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it To one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. So if I'm holding unforgiveness against my spouse, I may as well be holding unforgiveness against Jesus himself. That's just not very smart. When you think, you know, in Acts chapter 9, this is another example of this. In Acts chapter 9, it talks about Saul who was persecuting the church, just vehemently, viciously, murderously, you know, persecuting the church and he would later on become the apostle paul after this event right here he's on the road to damascus he's going there to persecute the the christians there and he has this encounter with jesus on the way and jesus asks him a question jesus says saul saul why are you persecuting me you know, Jesus took it very personal Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus personally he was persecuting Christians, but Jesus took it very personal that you are persecuting me and ask him why are you doing this and uh, again that the conversion of Saul was right after that he became a Christian and became just as uh, zealous in promoting the word promoting Christ as he had been in persecuting Christians before that anyway whatever we do to a, a like our spouse another person. As far as the Lord's concerned, we're doing it to him or not doing it to him, okay? So if we don't forgive, we might as well be holding unforgiveness against him. If we do forgive, we might as well have done that for him. So again, this is just really powerful stuff, okay? Another consequence of unforgiveness is found in Matthew eleven six. 6. It says, blessed is he who isn't offended in me. Okay, Jesus was talking there. He said, blessed is he who isn't offended in me. So if you're blessed, if you're not offended at Jesus, what are you, if you are offended at him, remember that, you know, if we are, are, if I'm offended at my wife, I might as well be offended at Jesus, right? As far as he's concerned, I am. So if I'm blessed, if I'm not offended at Jesus, what what am I if I am offended at someone else? Well, cursed is the opposite of blessed, right? So there again, I can live in this world like I don't even have the benefits of a relationship with God if I choose unforgiveness. That's just not good. You know, unforgiveness against people, including your spouse, you're just going to reap bad things from that. You're going to reap the curse from that. I hate to say it. I really do. But that's just, that's what we're looking at here in the Bible. You know, and here's something else even outside of the Bible um, secular sources tell us that unforgiveness is bad for you okay just this morning I did a search and I've read these things many times in the past you can do the same thing just go to the internet find your favorite you know internet search engine and search for you know the effects of unforgiveness and I came by I found one this morning by John Hopkins University a very re- reputable medical university right and they said that forgiveness is important to your health. Okay. Um, they said actually that your health depends on forgiveness is the way they put it. Now get this. It says that forgiveness reduces, reduces your risk of heart attack. Uh, it improves your cholesterol levels. It improves your sleep. Forgiveness reduces pain. <laughs> Think about that. It, it reduces your blood pressure. It reduces anxiety and depression. Okay, forgiveness does. That's just amazing. So it's just not worth it to carry around unforgiveness. It's really not. So I've introduced this here today. The you know, self-centeredness causes us these walls between us and disorder. Things are out of place. We want to reconcile things and bring them back together. And a key to that, a major key to that, is. Um, forgiveness. It's a, it's a key to our reconciliation with, with God. It's also key to reconciliation relationships, relationships between people. So I'm going to stop there. I'll be back with removing part, uh, removing walls part two next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please, um, uh, you know, check out our website for more information, uh, marriagebythebook.org, O-R-G. And, um, uh, you know, take some time to you know give us a a positive review on the podcast and share it with other people let people know about it i think if people will well i know if people will just listen to the word and do the word it will radically change their marriage rebecca and i over the years we've worked with lots and lots of couples one-on-one hundreds and uh, we've seen these things work a 100 percent of the time when we can get both people to do it. And the great majority of the time it'll work if just one of the couple will do it, okay? So this can radically change your marriage and your life. And uh, God bless you. Until next time, uh, my prayer for you is that you will uh, uh, you know, begin to walk in forgiveness toward your spouse and toward other people and even toward yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.